Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics, 40K Codex Analysis, List Building, Strategy Development, Game Theory, Mentoring. Our mission, to help you become a better player and to raise the level of the game both on and off the tabletop. Here's your host, Stephen Box. Hey, and welcome back to the Competitive 40K Podcast. Today... On episode 8 of season 4, we're going to be covering the new Orc Codex. Now, a massive thank you to Games Workshop for giving us this preview copy, but I've got two, in fact, three Orc War Bosses on today. Now, the first Orc War Boss that we're going to introduce is no stranger to the show, the one and only Jack Downing. How you doing, Jack? I'm very well. I'm a, uh, a casual Orc War Boss, but a uh, War Boss all the same. Now, are you going to be cunning or are you going to be brutal today? Oh, I think I'll make my mind up uh, at the end of the show, I think, Steve. Right, okay. Well, that's uh, Jack. Now, the next Orc War Boss we've got today is Aaron Kennedy. How are you doing, Aaron? Yeah, really good, mate. Really good. Yeah. Happy to, uh, happy to be back on the show. No, it's great to have you. And also, we did a fantastic live stream game on Tuesday night, which was epic, wasn't it? Oh, so much fun. Amazing. If you want to see that game with Aaron playing his Orcs, um, and you've got some awesome um, conversion. So just explain just before we go into this show, you know, a couple of your conversions that you've got. Well, obviously, um, there's, uh, there's the, some of the models that aren't out yet. Uh, and, and this the Squiggasaw, the beast boss on Squiggasaw is for me, I'm a must take right now. So I've, I've obviously had to create one of those. I've, I've made it out of, uh, Mangler squigs from, from AOS. I've got a blood bowl guy right in the top, all a bit of fun. No, it looks awesome, mate. And the other Orc War Boss we've got on today is probably the biggest and also self-proclaimed oldest Orc, orc War Boss. And he's actually the number one ITC-ranked Orc player in the world right now. And that is the one and only Rich Kilton. But I'm recording with him later at the end of this episode. So if you want to catch up with myself and Rich at the end of this show, where we go into his list and how he's been playing the Orcs, then we can check out that at the end of the show. But as our normal Codex preview, myself, Jack and Aaron, well, actually Jack and Aaron are going to be teaching me everything I need to know about this Orc Codex um, in our regular format. So we're going to be talking about our first impressions. We're going to be covering about the appeal, the play style of the Orcs. And then we're going to be going into some of the deeper aspects when it comes to army abilities, the clans, different sort of mobs and jobs in the rest of it all together, warlord <laughs> traits, top picks, powers, stratagems, units, data sheets, you name it. So if you're interested to find out more about the Orcs, then this is going to be the show for you. If you want to know how to beat the Orcs, then keep listening because we're going to be telling you some of their uh, tricks um, and what some of the things that they can get up to. And if you definitely don't want to buy an Orc army, I would probably switch off now because I can imagine after this, um, there's going to be a lot of orc excitement. So um, anyway, orc excitement, orc excitement. We are we coining that, Jack? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, copyright that quickly, quickly now. <laughs> I'm on the case. Um, orc excitement, right? I love it. Um, maybe I'll make that the title of the show. Orc excitement. Okay, so Jack, first of all, what's your first impressions of this new codex? Well, it, it was a weird one. I picked up the book, very excited to pick it up. And, um, you know, my, my first flick through, as you do with a book, you, you go through and check all the relics and stratagems and stuff. And I'll be honest, I felt a little bit underwhelmed on my very first impression. 
But ever since then, after reading, digging into the detail, seeing a few battle reports and previews, uh, I absolutely love it. I really want to to get to start playing these guys so much so that I might even threaten to start painting my own orcs myself, which is uh, no mean feat in itself. No, I mean you picking up a paintbrush is a start, mate. I know, I know. So serious stuff here, but um, I'm really excited to to play them and play against them. I think there's some great stuff in this book. It's um, I feel like you got to, you got to work under the, the bonnet a little bit and, and find those combos. I think they're less obvious than maybe some other books um, that have been released in ninth edition, but uh, I think it plays the mission very well. You mean so as a commander or as an orc warboss, you've actually got to think and make some hard choices. Yeah, you got to be cunning. Oh, nice. I like it. Now, would you say that a little bit more of the strength of this book is actually in the data sheets of the actual units rather than, like you said, just out and out, you know, powerful stratagems then? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why you, yeah, I think that's a good way to summarise it and, and, and why it takes probably a little bit longer and a few reads to, to pick up on some of the strength is some of it's buried within the data sheets or, you know, the combination of the clan traits and the data sheets. And it, it seems to be less focus on the stratagems, I feel like, in this book. Which I think is, you know, great for the game, actually. So, Aaron, what were your first impressions of the book then? Yeah, so um, I'd actually like to, to really echo Jack's sort of statement there in that, um, well, the, the, the book is, for a start, absolutely beautiful. Um, got the, the Beast Nugger book. I think that uh, as I started to flick through it, um, the here and there, just the odd little... Um, nerf to the rules and abilities that I know, knew and liked, which we'll talk a little bit about later. Uh, kind of, I was a little bit disappointed, but as you say, when you really start to get into the book and a few bits and pieces really sort of jumped out of me on my first read, read through and, and they've turned out to be really quite exceptional um, bits of uh, like changes and stuff. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited, really excited for it. I can remember our chat in, uh, you were like, oh my God, I've just found this unit. I'm just going to start custom building something. So uh, I could see the excitement growing with you, Aaron. Um, and you used to play a really sort of different different style list of what we typically saw um, back with the previous codex. So um, it's going to be really exciting to see you play more of the Orcs and also start to see how Jack starts to put the Orcs on the table as well. Because I think you'll go in different directions, which is awesome. That's exactly what we want. Um, and I'm sure you know, Rich Kilton himself would also probably have a different spin on things. So yeah, it's going to be great. Which is what you want from a codex, isn't it? Is that um, two different people can look at it and come up with two different completely ideas, but, but could be competitive at the tabletop. So big thumbs up in my, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you think the shooting is still as prevalent as it was? Or do you think there's a bit more emphasis on combat now in this book? Um, and I'll put that question to you, Aaron. Yeah, sure. So um, going into, like, like you said a little bit earlier, uh, my previous sort of uh, army, I, I focus really, really heavily on shooting, as, as Jack well knows. <laughs> and what I wanted, before I even got to read the book, what I wanted was um, to just slightly upscale that a little bit because I was having a lot of uh, success with it. And, and I've, I've really achieved that. And I do think that there's certain units in, in the book that, shoot really really well uh certain combinations that are great that we'll get into a little bit later but uh, at the same time i i think that the the, the melee as- aspect of it is also really super strong and if you combine the two uh it's, it's a re- recipe for disaster for everyone but you hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Because, I mean, I'm a big combat fan, so if we start selling combat to me, I might be starting picking up some green boys myself. Right, so let's talk about the appeal. Jack, what's your favourite thing about the Orcs? Uh, for me, it's definitely that combat element. Um, it, it was an army that I started collecting to give me something different from uh, Matal, which is, you know, a shooting army, which we know that the Orc army can shoot, it can sidekick, it can, it can punch, but I wanted to focus on on the combat element of it rather than the shooting element, um, which this book supports. But also, um, you know, and I think Aaron is the complete reverse. Um, I think that's fair to say, Aaron, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, and I think uh, what this book has, has pushed really well is that ability to um, separate the different styles. Uh, you can really build, there's a lot of diversity in, in the book that you can, you can build into. Yeah, sounds good. So, Jack, what do you actually need just to play the Orcs? What what codexes or books do you need to get playing? Oh, quite quite simple, just Codex Orcs, and um, and if you fancy any Forge roll, the um, the Compendium. It's not the Compendium. That's the um, that's the Kill Team. Mate. Kill Team. No, I've got Kill Team on the mind. You see, um, mate, who hasn't? Absolutely. Um, the Forge roll book to go with it. Yeah, yeah, you are right. It's the Imperial Armor Compendium. Oh, okay, great. So yeah, it's just those two books that you, that you need to to get started yeah nice okay perfect right so as everybody knows let's um is a quick recap of codexes right you're always going to get your sort of main army ability for being an orc you're then going to get some sort of super doctrines which is basically when your whole army is the same you get some extra buffs we're then going to get some clans and your clan is like your regiment or your chapter and we're going to go over all the different clans so then you obviously get your detachment rules and then we're going to be looking at some of the specialist aspects as well and then wardle traits stratagems and all the other bits and bobs so let's look at the orc so what makes an orc an orc and we're going to look at the abilities and the first one is here we go all right so aaron here we go something they had before what is it and how's it changed here we go. Uh, it's it's always been one of my favourite orc rules, uh, and basically what that is now is that you can re-roll charge rolls made for units with disability. That is pretty much across the board for all of the orc units, uh, with the exception of uh, I think Gretchen, basically, so killer cans and things like that. Uh, they have added it to the likes of, of trucks and, and um, battle wagons, which we did see in the previous codex, which is is, is really useful. Uh, the one thing, and it's one of the things I was slightly disappointed when uh, we got the book, was that they've lost the ability to re-roll one of the dice, which lowers your ability to make those charges sometimes by by a little bit. But hey, we've got re-roll charge rolls for everything, basically, which is huge. Yeah, love it. And um, next up, we've got Ramshackle. Now, I'm 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 sensing there's something around this kind of, there was something around Ramshackle before, I think, Jack. Tell us what it is now. Yes, what it is now, and uh, Ramshackle is is on the majority of the like lighter buggies and trucks and things like that. And I don't think it's on, on the bigger boys like the Morkan or, or the Battle Wagon. Um, but what the ability is that each time an attack is allocated to this model, unless the attack has a strength characteristic or eight or more, subtract a one from the damage characteristic of that attack. Noting that that is shooting and combat. Oh, nice. So it's a very good ability, that one. And, and Ramshackle previously was, um, if you had to roll a one or a six, and it reduced damage, all damage down to one. And I think it was just on trucks. So they've they've really opened that up 
brought it across the board on multiple places now and made it a much more useful and valid uh, ability now. Yeah, and so you're really having to dedicate some anti, you know, some big old powerful weapons like your multi-melters, your las cannons, because they're, you know, they're just going to ignore the ramshackle rule. But those Absolutely. more lighter, lighter weapons like this, uh, the star cannon, you know, which Auto is like cannons. Yeah, it's basically making it pretty much pointless. Um, okay, nice. So, Aaron, the mob, the mob rule. Obviously, these green boys like to go around in a mob. So, what? It, what is the mob rule? Yeah, sure. So mob rule basically is uh, while a unit is within six inches of another friendly unit that's uh, not under half strength, basically that unit is never considered to be under half strength. So you're you're, you're not running away on, on, on the twos instead of the ones and twos. Yeah, nice. So if you've got, you know, like let's say two little orcs left, um, you know, and maybe they were in a unit of 10 or something, um, but they're next to a full size squad that isn't, you know, nowhere near the half element um then you basically count as just being the regular for combat attrition which is cool i like it okay beast snaggers now this is new jack so i know there's these new beast snagger models but they have a special rule and what is their rules jack yeah so so the beast snagger which is um lots of the new as you said new models that have come in with introduced with this codex and that's and that start collect and that start starting box uh, has and all those units have an ability, which each time a model with this ability makes an attack that targets a vehicle or monster, you, you add one to the hit roll. And also that every model with the Beast Snagger ability has a six plus in them save. That is good, isn't it? Yeah, so it's, it's a great double punch there. That is nice, just for having that little cheeky keyword. Okay, nice. Now, there's something in this book which I was looking through, and it's called the Dacker Weapon. Now, Aaron... You like your guns, so talk us through how the DACA weapons work. And obviously, we've never seen this profile before. This isn't, you know, it's very different. So talk us through what a DACA weapon does. Yeah, sure. So this is a, this is a brand new weapon type. I feel very privileged for it. Uh, essentially, this is replacing the old DACA, DACA, DACA. Uh, and it, like I say, it's a weapon profile that essentially when you... Uh, shooting, so let's say a, a big shooter, for example, if you're shooting that weapon within half range, you get extra shots. So we're in the, in the previous codex, you only had three shots for a big shooter. Now, if you're shooting within half range on that, you get five shots. And it really does add up those number of shots when you when you add multiple multiple guns throughout your whole army. And can you advance and shoot DACA weapons? Unfortunately not. You can't advance and shoot them, uh, much like you couldn't advance and shoot uh, rapid fire. So there's some things that, as you're looking through the book, you're going to want to just clarify your weapon profiles and stuff like that before you get really excited about a certain interaction. But uh, I'd say overall, it's, it's, uh, it's a really useful thing. And I think it also cuts down uh, a lot on the the time that you spend re-rolling the old Daka Daka style as well, which is, mm. is uh, just few of Orcs and got a lot of shots is, is, quite, is really quite useful actually. So rather than just getting like three shots and then daka daka in on six or whatever it was before, they're just giving you a flat two extra shots or whatever it might be on the profile. Exactly. And because it's not a heavy weapon, you're not suffering the minus one, are you, to move, uh, moving and shooting? That's correct, yeah. Okay, cool. Like it. I've kind of, I think I've got that. Lovely. Okay. Now, the I think this is everybody's non-orc war boss bugbear is when you're in a tournament and you you know there's an orc guy somewhere on the tabletop, you know, three tables down, and he's shouting, wah. So 
Um, and then every other orc player in the room starts shouting war. So they've given it a they've given it a rule now, which I kind of hate because it's going to be shouted all the time at tournaments. <laughs> so you got the war. Um, Aaron, talk me through what the what the speed war is because you've got two types of wars. Tell me how these wars work and go over the speed war and then Jack, you can cover the regular war. And then there's another one we'll also talk about. So what is a war? Absolutely. Yeah. So basically you, you've got, uh, it's, it's a really cool new, new rule. And this is what we we're talking about a little bit earlier in terms of that, adding that diversity. And I think this is probably going to be where the key, uh, the split in the codex between different lists that happens is essentially when you're, you, you've, you've got a war boss. Um, if that war boss is, you've got a war boss and you've got a speed boss. Uh, so war boss being, um, well, an actual war boss or war boss and mega armor, for example, and the speed boss being a, a death killer war trike, uh, you get to call the war. Now the war is split into two stages. So for the speed war, I'll take first stage one is the big race. And essentially what, what you get to do is to, um, you, you do not suffer the penalty um, for hit rolls or fire assault weapons in the same turn in which you advance. And each time an orc vehicle or biker model from your army shoots with a DACA weapon, you make one additional attack with that weapon. On top of that, for the first stage, orc vehicles or biker units from your army make a range attack. You get an improved armor penetration characteristic of one. For me, that's incredible. So most of my army is going from minus two to minus three. Um, and this is 100% the, the route that I'm going down. Stage two basically takes off that first bullet point and you then keep the armor penetration characteristic bonus uh, for, for a second turn. So for two turns, you get an improved AP, AP of one, uh, which for Orcs is, is fantastic. Now, if I've got this right, it's once per battle, isn't it? You can call the war. Exactly. Yep. So it's, uh, you, you have to call it your, uh, your war boss. So war boss or speed boss needs to be on the table when, when it's, uh, when it's called in the command phase, uh, in the command phase. Exactly. And in stage one lasts for turn that the, the first battle round you call it for. And then, so that would be your battle round, uh, obviously your turn and your opponents. And then when it comes back to your command phase, you, it will then go into stage two for that next battle round. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Love it. Okay, Jack, talk me through the regular war. Not the speed, not the quick one, the regular one. Absolutely. And just just, just, just to finish off that last point, um, a nice little touch is that your war boss can call it even if he's in a transport, which, um, you know, orcs love their trucks and transports and stuff. So I think that's a really nice touch on that as well, um, just to give you a bit more flexibility with it. So that's great. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. And then, so the war is um, stage one, Orcs core and characters unitary army to can advance and charge. And the second bullet point is add one to your attacks characteristic for orc model from your army. And then stage two, you keep the plus one attack. That is nice. It's I love it. And um I think it's fair to say that my list is built around the war and Aaron's is built built around the speed war. And you're not mine would be built around The Great War. The Great War. And Jack, what's the Great War? That is what Mr. Gasgall Thracker can call. And what's that? You get both. So why choose when you can have both? Exactly. So Mr. Gasgall Thracker, what a what a reason to take him on the table, eh? Absolutely. 
That is, oh yes, Gazgul. the boss. He's straight in my basket. Um, okay, no, I think that's pretty cool. It, it's it's thematic. It sounds wicked. There's some great benefits and bonuses there. So um, yeah, I think that's absolutely awesome. Okay, cool. So we're going to have a quick look at some of the detachment rules now. Okay. Um, and one of them is called I'm the boss. What's that, Jack? Um, yeah, it, it's a common thread that's coming through all these ninth edition codexes. It's a limit. It's a limitation in your detachment, so you can take a maximum of one war boss or death killer war trike model in each detachment for your army. So it's exactly the same as space rings with their captains and uh, and things like that. It's just um, and chaos lords and etc. So no no big shocks, and um, you know it's I'm, I'm all all on board with it. Okay, nice. And what about the specialist lads? in quotation mark, lads, lads, lads. What about those, Aaron? Yeah, sure. So uh, th- that's basically your, your, your like cool special characters. So within that is, is Gazgul Thraka. Um, you've got Captain Captain Bagra. Makari, I think, the, the biggest boss of all. Uh, and the, these guys, they can be put in, uh, in any sort of clan detachment. Uh, they don't benefit from the clan detachment, essentially. But then don't break it either. Don't break it either, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, nice, nice. I like that. Yeah, so they're kind of like your agents just going, you know, round doing what they do best and just being green and bossing people about. Like it. Okay, so let's have a little look at an orc clan. So as we said earlier, a clan is like your um, chapter, like your ultramarine or whatever. So typically a clan, you'll get two bullet points of rules, which makes your clan unique compared to all the others. And each of them, and correct me if I'm wrong, you get a warlord trait, you get a special stratagem and a relic. Now you can only use these warlord traits, stratagems and relics and these culture rules if you dedicate a detachment to them. Um, so we're, we'll start rattling through these. Now we don't need to cover all of them necessarily, um, but what I'd like you to do guys is just sort of talk me through briefly what it is and um, you know some of the things that we may be gotcha moments or some really super powerful things that we might see in the competitive tabletop. You know, if there's more like law-based elements, um, obviously take a read through this in your own time, guys, but we're going to be mainly focusing on the gotcha moments and the really powerful things that you need to watch out for. Okay, so let's kick off with the first one, and that is the goths. So, Jack, what what do the goths do? So, the goths... um so each time a model with this culture makes an attack, um, they get exploding sixes in combat. Each six generates an additional hit, yeah? Correct, yeah. And on the turn they charge or perform a heroic inter- intervention, they get plus one strength, which is massive for strength for boys. Yeah, especially with exploding sixes and plus one attack from the war. Yeah, so um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And advance and charge. Their stratagem for two CP. Pick a unit, explode with fives rather than exploding sixes in combat. Wow! Um, so that's um, so you can hit hard, basically. And then warlord trait for them? Yeah, the warlord trait it's it's a little bit vanilla for me. Um, plus one attack, plus one AP for your warlord. I think um, when we get into warlord traits, I, I, I don't see that one being a near the top there. Uh, and the relic is a is, it's a mortal wound output in melee. Um, it's a nice option um, if you're looking at goths. But there's better later on. Yeah, and there's multiple ways that you could stack that to do multiple mortal wounds in that kind of scenario. So you could build a character around that relic. Um, but yeah, goths are great. I think uh, yeah, I think other than other than the warlord trait, all, all good stuff there. 
Yeah, they sound very punchy in combat. Okay, Aaron, talk us through the bad moons. Bad moons, yeah, the uh, the yellow ones. So the the bad moons are the, the first one is that they're adding six inches to the range characteristic of DACA and heavy weapons, which which uh, can be actually really huge if you consider some of the profiles. Uh, you have mega trap scrap jets. The main guns change to heavy. The big shooters are DACA, so there's, making them thirty inch range is quite good. Um, and also an unmodified wound roll of a six increases that armor penetration characteristic again by uh, by one, which is, is, is really good. Nice. And then any warlord trait stratagems or relics that, you know, talk about? Yeah, the, the, the warlord trait, um, again, I think there's there's other things that um, that, that can uh, be better in that in that space. But I think the, the, the stratagem showing off uh, where you basically unmodified hit roll of uh, six with DACA weapons scores additional hits, there's room for, for play with that, especially at one CP. Now that's nice because you don't have to re-roll it like you used to with DACA, DACA, DACA. It's just an additional hit, which is cool. Yeah. Saves a lot of time. Nice. Yeah. The, uh, the relic, I, I would say, again, is is probably not, not uh, it's, it's one of those where you replace a, a gun and it's, it's, it's decent enough, but I, there's, there's better choices to be made. Yeah, it's just like a flamer, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Evil Sons, Jack. Right. These are the so, red boys, right? So Evil Sons is why I love Orcs. Yeah. Ever since I was a kid. And this is how I'm going to get you into Orcs, Steve. Don't get emotional on me now, Jack. Now, you, you are going to go straight on and buy a combat patrol after this. So Okay, go on. So everyone gets plus one move. With, with his culture and if it's a speed freaks you get plus two so your speed freaks are your bikes and your buggies predominantly I'm liking it yeah yeah plus one advance and you don't suffer the penalties for um, advancing and firing assault weapons okay sounds okay yeah so, so that, that's good when you combine that with the war when you're advancing and charging happy days the warlord trait I really like and I don't think it's getting enough um uh, airtime at the moment. So any command phase, select one evil cause core unit within six of this model. That unit is le- eligible to declare a charge, even if advanced or fell back this turn. So what I like about that is if early game you didn't want to declare you are, bang, you could send in a fast unit and advance and charge straight in. Oh, full back in charge. I mean, yeah. that's either or is great. Full back in charge is massive in a combat army because you yeah. do not want to get bogged down. So I love that. Um, a- again, I'm going through the orcs. I love each one of it in this page. So yeah, the drive-by DACA is their stratagem. One CP, um, basically fire and fade for a speed freaks unit. So that could be a set of buggies or a death copters or a unit of bikes. Uh, you can't charge after this movement, but um, I really like these on the new on the new death copters. I think that's that can be very effective. And then the relic is. Um, is plus two to your move characteristic, and at the start of your fight phase, if this warlord is an engagement range of any enemy units, those units cannot be selected to fight until all eligible units from your army have done so. So fight last, uh, which is the GW, only, take my money. Yeah, is the only source of fight last in the book. Um, and I like this on a death killer war trike because a vehicle model can take it. So a big, huge base, extra two-inch move. He gets plus plus. Four inches a move for being an evil son with that relic. Because he's a speed freak. Yep. So he's absolutely flying about with that huge base. And I think, um, you know, Steve, I think we played a game a while ago and um, I didn't have this relic. I was playing some goths and things like that. And I, f- I feel like the fight last is so it's so great for orcs because they're so squishy in return. 
if you need to make multiple charges. So for me, I'm all about the evil sense. Nice. I mean, I'm in. Right. Okay. Snake bikes, Aaron. Go on. Give us the give us the download. Snake bites. Now, snake bites were. I, I think when we all saw the the preview of the the codex on on the Warhammer community site, I think this is the one that everyone was like really jumping out of. And I, I think that uh, we are going to see more of this, especially as some of the new models come out officially. But you, basically, you, against anything that is uh, less than less than eight strength. You're getting transhuman, so any uh, unmodified wound roll of one to three will fail. So that's good. That's good. Yeah, that that's really good. And I, I think we need to see it in play a little bit more uh, because obviously with the orcs going up to toughness five, there is a little bit of a smaller window for that to come mm-hmm. into play, um, which is maybe why we haven't seen it quite so much. But I, I think there's definitely going to be uh, that's going to be on the tabletop quite a lot. Uh, and also, now coming from a, a Blood Angels background, you're going to like this one, Steve. Is that each time a squig model? So that's all of our, our new new models, basically, with all the cavalry and stuff. When you make a melee attack, if you charged or performed a heroic intervention, you add one to that attack's wound roll. Oh, they know how to get me, don't they? Big, big. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Yeah. Anything else? Wardle treats, strats, relics. Anything else going to tempt me in? Anything else going to tempt you in? Um, so, yeah, I, I think probably, uh, so we've got a grenade uh, on the relic, so probably not not going to be looking uh, looking at that. The the uh, stratagem is a, is a psychic phase stratagem, which we don't often see, especially with, with orcs. Um, until the end of, uh, end of the psychic phase, you can attempt to deny a power as if you were a psyker. So you don't need a psyker in your army to then deny a power which could could be useful if you're trying to avoid um, to, to, to pick up a ball of the witch, for example, but you still want to be effective in your opponent's psychic phase. It's, it's, it's something that could be situationally useful. Well, it can help those psychic actions, right? So against like the Grey Knights or whatever, you can actually have a bit of a counter to that. Okay, nice. Exactly. All right then, Death Skulls. Um, Jack, talk us through the Death Skulls. Okay, cool. So, yeah, the clan culture is uh, each time a unit is culture, it's led to shoot or fight. You can re-roll a one-hit roll or one moon roll. Uh, so, a slight bit of change there from the previous. Um, they get a five plus feel no pain against mortal wounds and all infantry gain the objective secured ability. Nice. That's. I mean, that's great, isn't it? Obsec on, on the, all your infantry. Yep. Yeah. Any um, water traits, relics or stratagems to write home about? Um, the warlord trait is very situational um, about destroying vehicles, and you can lock the lookout sir within twelve. So, um, not sure if you'd be looking at that one in particular. Um, the stratagem um, for two CP, you could pick one 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 core character unit, and, and the target's vehicle get plus one to wound. It, it'd be useful. Um, That's pretty but, good, isn't it? Yeah, for two CP it, in a pinch when you need to take out a big vehicle. Um, but yeah, and, and the relic is just um, better repairing, um, which is which is fine. Um, but the I think what really carries the death schools is, is those three bullet points of abilities at, at the beginning. It's, it's that objective secured on the infantry, and the free hit and, or wound roll is, um, is is absolutely great. Yeah, nice. Okay, blood axes, Aaron. Talk to me. Blood axes. Yeah, so so these are sneaky boys. Um, the the cunning but brutal. I'd I'd suggest. Uh, so each time a ranged attack is made against the unit of this culture, if the attacker is more than 18 inches away, the unit of this culture is treated as having the benefits of light cover. 
which for uh, for orcs is actually quite um, it's pretty good really especially when you're on a paper save. And as well, when you start thinking about how commandos might interact with that, so if you're getting light cover, you get extra two to your save. There's, there's, there's something to think about in there. Um, you also get to declare a charge if you uh, if you fell back, and you can shoot as well. Shoot or charge, isn't it, that one? Yeah, shoot or charge, yeah. That's good. Wall of traits, strats, relics? Wall of traits. Uh, now, now this is this is really interesting, actually, is... is uh, we previously with Cunning But Brutal were able to redeploy. That has now moved into Blood Axes. Uh, so uh, the Warlord trait for Blood Axes is I've got a plan, lads. I think that's quite cool. Uh, and uh, basically you can... Um, redeploy up to three units. Redeploy up to three units, yeah. Lovely. I mean, I like that. But you know, what I love about the Orcs is the names of everything. It's just simple because... I mean, I can't say words very well, as you guys know that, are, you know, listeners <laughs> to the show, but I can say I've got a plan, lads. You know, these are stratagem names that I can, or in Warlord tricks that I can get on board with as uh, potentially more of a um, non-linguist, uh, as it might be. Okay, I like, I like it. And their stratagem, what does that do? Yeah, sure. So basically you use this stratagem at the end of your movement phase. Uh, and if the mission you're playing uses strategic reserves, then you can select one blood axis infantry unit from your army. Uh, and you can, uh, that is within three inches of any battlefield edge and you can place it into strategic reserves. So you've got that ability to, to kind of, um, come off and come back pick, on again. Exactly. You can pick a unit up. Uh, and if you want to maybe, um, do something a little bit later down the line, maybe a, a retrieve Octarius data or, or something like that. You can you can certainly do that. I like that for the, literally for the secondary game. Um, I do think that's quite useful. Yeah, um, in for one CP that's not bad either. And then there's a way of farming back some sort of CPs, isn't there? Relic, but exactly. I think there's probably better that you're going to talk about later. Okay, now this next one, Jack. I mean, I love me my flash gits, and these are the free booters. I mean, who doesn't like an orc with a pirate hat on? So, um, Jack, what do the free booters do? Yeah, so free booters, uh, if they destroy, want to destroy a unit in any phase, until the end of the phase, the entire army gets plus one to hit in shooting all melee uh, for, for that phase. I mean, that's good. Yeah. That is actually good. That's very stackable. I like that in terms of like, how much extra efficiency you're going to get at the table. Okay, and wall or trait looks like it's an aura. What does that do? Uh, not a lot, to be honest. <laughs> just, uh, it's, it, it's a plus one leadership and uh, a combat attrition debuff within, within three inches. It's, uh, it's, uh, we'll move swiftly on for the wall or trait, but we will focus on the stratagem, which is very good. In, in your command phase, select one freebooters infantry unit from your army. Those on the battlefield until the start of your next command phase, that unit gains obsec. Incredible. That is good. But remember, when when do you score uh, on the primary? In your command phase. Start or end? The end of your end. command phase. End of the command phase, isn't it? Yeah. Which means that your obsec runs out at the start and you're scoring at the end. But it's really good for you denying your opponent. Yes, yeah. But not so good for you holding it, which I think is, I just thought I'd bring that up because I think that's a uh, interaction that comes up with the dog martyr from the sisters as well. Um, so do remember that, you know, you need to look at when you actually score um, in that command phase. Okay. And what about the relic? Anything good there? Yeah, no, it's good. It's, it's potentially got, it's potentially quite powerful. So, um, 
uh, one enemy unit was in six inch of the bearer, it loses the objective secured ability. Okay, so that is good. Yeah, and that's an again, that's a that's an aura, isn't it? It's while yeah. an enemy unit is within six. Um, that's really strong on a vehicle, like you said, on a death killer war trike or something. Mm-hmm. That is very, very powerful relic. And um, it's the bad school banner. What a name. What a yeah, amazing. Um, oh yeah, I like it. Okay, cool. So next up is we've got something called specialist mobs. Um, so Aaron, what is a specialist mob and are they worth taking anything worthy of note? So tell me what one is and then, yeah, give me your thoughts. Absolutely. So specialist mob is a, a way of, uh, you can choose per detachment, uh, one unit within, within that detachment and that unit then drops all of what we've previously just talked about. So all the, the, the special culture abilities that the clan culture abilities they might get and replaces that with a, a new keyword and it makes them a specialist mob. Uh, this is the location of what is quite probably one of, for me, the best units in the game. Uh, and that is replacing the culture of boys, your standard boys. And uh, I think there's a couple other bits, war bosses and gives them the truck boys keyword. And you can just do this for free? For free, per detachment. Okay. And what does the truck boys do? So truck boys, when you uh, move a truck, normally you'd have to disembark from the truck before you move the truck. With truck boys, you can disembark from the truck after you've made a normal move with the truck, which is really, really huge and makes a massive difference to the utility of uh, any, any unit that you replace that with. And it says, is it about a plus one to hit? So yeah, while any uh, truck boys unit are embarked upon a truck, each time that truck model makes a range attack, add one to that attack's hit roll. Nice. A little bit more extra efficiency there as well then, but also that extra mobility from being able to disembark after that truck's already moved. Now, I heard there's some sort of contention around these truck boys. So Aaron, what's the contention? Yeah, the, uh, the the really funny, uh, interesting thing about this is that by replacing the the culture, the clan keyword with truck boys, unfortunately, that means you can't enter a truck because you need to be within the clan to 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 get into the truck. Bit of a bit of a uh, a funny one that. That's a bit strange, isn't it? Now, obviously, this is recorded pre FAQ, um, but Jack. You're a pretty fair and well-balanced guy, um, normally anyway. Um, <laughs> what's your view on this? How, what do you think, you know, potentially the intention might be here? And how, what's the fairest way to play this at the tabletop? Well, you know, um, I think a lot of it's a, clue, a clues in the title, isn't it? These are truck boys that are designed to go in trucks. Um, so, you know, I think if I was running an event, I'd, I'd allow truck boys to enter a truck, but probably limit... That they, they can only interact with the same truck that's drawn from the same clan in the same detachment they're drawn from. Okay. Would you allow them to go in any other transport? Uh, no, no. I think it's the, the guys in trucks. Uh, I think they could just go in the truck. I think it's probably a. Because the spelling is exactly the same truck, isn't it? Yeah. So they're truck boys, so they go in trucks. I think that's a pretty fair, well balanced looking at it. Okay, nice. Um, any others to really talk about or should we move on to the custom jobs, Aaron? I, I th- yeah, so I, I've got one that I like personally, which is Big Crumpers. 
So A is a great name. Um, the ability is a better name. We'll get to that in a minute. So Death Dreads, Gorkonaut, Mega Armor Knobs, Mega Armor Character, or Morkonaut units only. Their selected unit gains a big crumper keyword. The ability is called Crumping Time, Each, <laughs> which is just brilliant. Each time a big crumpers model makes a melee attack, add one to the attack's hit roll. So you can get your Death Dreads. Um, so a unit of three could get to be hitting on twos, for example. Um, so they can become quite self-sufficient, or your mega armored knobs with your kill saws and power claws, you gain a plus one to hit from crumping time, and your war boss can get you another plus one to hit, which will counteract the minus one to hit. So all of a sudden, those guys are hitting on twos. So I think um, I, you know I'm quite interested in that ability as well, and trying to make that work. But I think I'm definitely working with at least unit, two units of truck boys. That's kind of Aaron's identified. It's an incredible unit. Nice. Okay, cool. Any others, or should we move on to the custom jobs? I think let's move on. Yeah, I think move on. Go on then, Aaron, talk us through a custom job. Yeah, no worries. So custom job is basically is applied to, uh, you've got vehicle custom jobs and you've got mech custom jobs. The the vehicle custom jobs are, are very data sheet specific. Uh, so you'd, you'd have uh, something like, for example, nitro squigs that, apply specifically to the rocker truck squig buggy. Uh, that is a, uh, a plus one to wound uh, with its uh, uh, all of its guns, which is, is, is incredible. And uh, these are both the custom jobs through the vehicle custom jobs and the mech ones. These are a power level and also points increase, aren't they, on that specific unit? Have I got that correct? Correct, yes, yes. And you can only use uh, a custom job on uh, one model, so, for example, if you've got a unit of three nitro squigs, uh, sorry, if you've got a unit of three uh, rucker truck squig buggies, you can only put nitro squigs on one of those buggies. Well, that's good, isn't it, in case anybody starts putting those nitros on all of them. Uh, I think that's a good one. Okay, so I kind of got it. They're upgrades. You can pay it. It tells you what ones you can upgrade. Any ones, were, you know, really worth talking about, Aaron? And then we'll cover yours, Jack, if you've got any that you would like to talk about. Yeah, sure. So the uh, I'd say for me one of the standout ones is the in the mech custom jobs, uh, and that's the extra custom weapon. So any model equipped with a custom mega slugger or custom mega blaster, each time this model shoots with uh, either of those two guns, you make one additional attack with that weapon. Uh, now, obviously, it does say a, a model equipped with it, so that could be anything. It's not data sheet specific uh, where this stands out for me specifically is when you put that on the grot mega tank which is uh, one of the, the units that I, I converted to for the show on Tuesday and you can add seven custom mega blasters to the grot mega tank uh, each is d3 shots and then with that you've got an extra seven shots on top of what you've uh, what you're already firing so you've got a potential of about uh, 28 shots coming out of that. So that upgrade is basically D3 plus one shots exactly. per one, and you've got seven of those. Yeah. And can you upgrade as many of those as you want, or can you only ever upgrade one? How does it work? Yeah, so you can only, uh, each custom job can only be applied to one unit, to one model of one unit. So you, you can't keep, uh, keep keep spamming that. I think they're trying to keep a lid on, on spamming these uh, these things because they're quite quite useful at times. Yeah, nice. Jack, any of, any of yours, mate, that you like on your custom jobs? Yeah, I'll just pick up on, on a couple. So um, the Shocker Hull, 
which is each time an enemy unit selects this model as a target of any attacks in a fight phase, after these attacks have been resolved, roll on d6 on the 4+, plus, they take d3 mortal wounds. So I think you know that links back to the Goths, Warlord trait or Relic, and there's another Warlord trait and Relic again about stacking mortal wounds in combat. So that's quite interesting as a combo potential there. And the Squeak High Tires, just great, more movement, plus one move, and plus two advance. It, it could be very useful as well. So, um, yeah, and... Um, yeah, so there's, there's some nice options in there. I think it's quite good that it's controlled and, and can't be spammed. Um, you know, like they extra custom weapon free free grot tanks could be quite nasty, couldn't it? But um, it seems to it seems like quite good and a bit more flavour in there. Yeah, very nice. Okay, cool. Right, we're going to take a very quick break, and then we'll be back, and we'll be looking at some of the warlord traits, relics, powers, and then those data sheets. Today's show is sponsored by Foreground Publishing. Premium pre-painted MDF terrain perfect for your Warhammer 40k 9th edition games as seen on the Vanguard Tactics stream and battle reports. Just unbox, build and play. And to order your set of terrain, just head over to www.foregroundpublishing.co.uk. This podcast is sponsored by Sea Studios, the leading commission painting service for tabletop miniatures. From placing your order, seeing the work in progress and receiving your stunning new models, Siege Studios delivers an incredible service and experience. One of the most exciting days I can ensure you is receiving that parcel at the door and unwrapping the best gift ever. To find out more about getting your army commissioned painted by the professionals, check out www.siegestudios.co.uk. So we're back from the break. Now we're going to be looking at some of the more basics that we've obviously covered in many other codexes. Jack, kick us off with the stratagems, mate. I know you said you weren't like massively impressed by them, but are, are there any that you think actually these are pretty useful? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to start with one that uh, has made it across from the old book, which I absolutely loved and, and great to see it here still, which is ramming speed. So what this is, is allows you to make a 3d6 charge with a vehicle and... Um, which, which typically you're going to be re-rolling with, here we go. And um, on a 2+, plus, you do D3 Mortal Wounds, um, which combos very nicely. I'll jump onto the next one, because it combos very nicely with Teleporter, which is 2CP to allow you to put a unit into Deep Strike. So you could put a vehicle into Deep Strike pre-game for 2CP. 2CP, ramming speed, almost guarantee the charge coming in. That's a combo that's been brought forward, and I'm really glad it's there, because I think it's, it's a very nice option for an alt player. I know Aaron uses it still. Yeah, nice. Absolutely love it. And combining that with Here We Go with the re-rolls and all those other ways to get mortal wounds as well, that's pretty incredible. Okay, nice. Well, you've already covered two, Jack. So, Aaron, two from you, mate. Absolutely. So, uh, one of my absolute favourites, and it is super, super situational, but uh, Kareen, uh, <laughs> or Ka- Karen, as we found it on the stream the other day, uh, where you, you can pay one CP or, or two CP if it's um, a sort of wagon or a Titanic model. And when that model explodes, if it's destroyed and explodes, you can make a normal move up to six inches before resolving that explosion. Really, really fun that. Um, if, if you consider, uh, if, if a, even if a truck explodes and you can move that six inches into the middle of, of uh, like a sister's battle line or something like that, you'd start plinking off D3 mortal wounds on all these different uh, different units. It can really do a lot of damage, actually. Yeah, nice. But you can't do it if you're within engagement range. Is that right? You cannot do it in engagement range, no. Okay, so it's only when you sort of die from shooting, but that's good. I like it and good clarification. All right. Any others that you really like? Um, 
I, so this is something that we never had in the previous codex, and that's the ability to pay for extra relics and stratagems, uh, extra relics and warlord traits. So we've now got the ability to, for one CP, and we can do it twice in, the, in, our, in our normal sort of 2k battle, to, to buy two extra warlord traits and two extra, uh, two extra relics for a CP each. I will 100% be spending, that, spending the, the CP on that. And I'm assuming there's some good ones by the sounds of that. There really are, yeah. So do you think there's any other gotcha moment stratagems that we need to tell the guys about, Jack? Yeah, I'll, I'll just pick up on... Um, so there's one as tough as a squeak hide, which is transhuman for a beast snagger infantry or beast snagger cavalry unit. So just to, just to watch out on that one. Um, I will just touch on hit them harder as well. That's also survived. So for your mega knobs to get plus one damage for two CP. So I think that's still a good one. But I think the one is... I'd certainly make everyone aware of is the um, unstoppable momentum so what this is is the use a strategy in your charge phase after a knob on smash a squig unit from your army finishes a charge move this is no enemy models with engagement range of that model it can be immediately selected to declare a charge again so it sounds a bit odd at the moment but in the knob on smash a squig's data sheet he does mortal wounds on the charge so i think it's five or six dice and a four plus he does mortal wounds so there's potential this guy could easily pick up and finish off a little unit that's, do, that's, that's doing some screening for you, pick them up on the mortal wounds on the charge, and then re-declare a charge into your back line. So, so just to be wary of on that one. Oh, that is sold it to me. I'm in. I am in. I am loving that. Extra threat range on the charge. That's incredible. All right. Well, let's move on to the Warlord traits. Um, I'll alternate between the two of you. Aaron, give me your first one, because there's three different types here I see. So out of the three types, tell me the type it falls under and what the Wardle trait is and why you like it. Sure. So I love my Speed Freaks, so I'm going to dive in with a Speed Freaks Wardle trait. Uh, and, and that one for me is Rogue Killer. Uh, Rogue Killer is, is on a 2+, plus. your enemy suffers D3 mortal wounds when you charge into them within an inch. So when you start to... Uh, Add that to ramming speed, as we previously just just said. That's two dice on two pluses. You got D three more wounds for each. So, what that what that's uh, given me is access to more wounds in a different phase, specifically the charge phase, which really helps for things like katans, uh, all those things that you you can't uh, you, you can't damage uh, more than a certain amount in 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 one phase, for example. That's nice. Go on, Jack. Give me one. Right, I'm going from the standard Warlord traits, um, brutal but coming. So each time this Warlord fights, if all of his attacks target one enemy unit, after resolving all of those attacks, it can make a number of additional attacks against that enemy unit that didn't um, to the number of attacks that did not reach the inflict damage step of that attack sequence during that fight. So that is um, competitive edge from Chikari that, that we've seen. So uh, it just gives that greater reliability in your characters um, with it. I think so. I think that's absolutely great. I think there's one for the FAQ watch. I think is the um, the war boss the standard war boss can take an attack squig, which generates two little little attacks. So I think it needs to be FAQ'd. Do the attack squig attacks if they don't inflict damage? Can they be rolled as power claw attacks? I think that's which need that clarifying. I can imagine that the answer is no, and any attack needs to be redone by its original attack source. So. If the squig doesn't wound, the squig does another attack. That seems the fairest way to do it. But at the moment, it's not clear. So I think just keep an eye on that, guys, for the FAQ. 
but do what you sounds fair. And I think what you suggested is the fairest way. Um, and you're not normally wrong, Jack. You're normally on the point with that kind of stuff. Um, go on and Aaron, give us some one of yours, mate. Sure. Uh, it's got to be for me within the, uh, the normal warlord traits and that's Arda's Nails. Uh, I, I'm currently using this on, on one of my beast bosses and it, it's really fantastic. And it's uh, whenever an attack targets this warlord, subtract one from that attack's wound roll. Nice. That's strong. And, you're that on, and the war boss is what? Toughness five, toughness six? Yeah. And then the beast boss on Swigasaur is toughness seven with minus one. Insane. Beautiful. Damn. That is mm. good. All right, then. Jack, any more from you? One more. I'll, I'll, let's give the Beast Snaggers a bit of love. So the one I, I like and I've got in my list at the moment is the Beast Gob, which is an aura. So while a friendly clan squig unit is in six this warlord, each time model in that unit makes attack melee attack with a squig hog jaws, smash the squig jaws, or squigasaur jaws, add one to attack's damage characteristic. So I think for the, the squig hog boys, it makes their jaws damage three with the oh. two attacks they get each. So I think, um, yeah, I absolutely love that with a, a massive cavalry around a Nobon um, Smash Squig. That is good, isn't it? Any others, guys, that we need to talk about? Aaron? Or is that all of them? Uh, it's the ones that I've been uh, playing around with, to be fair. Um, there's, there's just, there's not enough space for everything you want, really. Um, right, let's move swiftly yeah. on then. Jack, there's some psychic powers in here. You've got the power of the wog and you've got the beast head discipline. Um, so any standout powers from either of these two? Yeah, just to touch on, so the power of the war is the traditional discipline from the old book, which is on your weird boys. Um, then the beast head discipline is the beast snagger one for the were boy, which is the new model. So that's the differentiation between the two discipline trees. Um, so, so the power of the war is very similar to, 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 to what we used to. I think something to pick on up on this point is the change into the weird boy um so if 20 more models are next to him he now gets to cast two powers rather than getting the pluses to cast so you don't get the the source of pluses to cast anymore so you basically you're rolling the warp charge value which is which is just a bit different um i think it's quite useful because it's it, only having one pound of weird boy was um a little bit challenging sometimes yeah makes it a bit more useful now doesn't it yeah so in the power of the wild discipline i'm i have a weird boy in my list for taking Warpath, which is select a core or character unit with an 18, plus one attack to that unit. So again, you're stacking that with the war. All of a sudden, you're getting plus two attacks on the unit. You can advance and charge. Happy days. Then the other one I'm taking is Fist of Gork, which is uh, pick a character within 12, and you add two to the model strengths and attacks characteristic, uh, which was the same as before, but I've also added an additional sentence. If the result of psychic test was 11 or more, add three to the tax strength and characteristics instead. Wow. So you can make an absolute missile of a character or a missile of a unit. So I, I, I love those powers. Um, yeah. And the jumps in there, which is nice to still see, which is where you can redeploy a unit. Yeah. The jump's still there. Um, it's still warp charge seven. So obviously before it was warp charge seven, but you're on the plus three to cast. So it was almost an auto um, cast. So that, that's a little bit less reliable and the change to here we go. Um, I think sort of push away from 30 boys to jumping in your face. I think you'll probably see a little bit less of that now, yeah. uh, but it's still an option. I think as a, as a mission playing piece, I think that's where it's more useful now. Cheeky engage or something, right? And engage, you know, throw a unit of commandos or, 
a little five man unit to sneak in a gap to do a, do a roddle or something like that. So I think it's more of a utility pick probably rather than using it as an offensive power. All right, nice. And then um, the beast head, anything there, Aaron, that's worthy of note. This is the new psychic tree. Yeah, sure. So obviously the, the beast heads, we're really just sort of thinking about looking towards the, uh, the the new models or the squigs and things like that. One that really stands out for me, I, I, I like the look of, is, is Frazzle. I think as soon as the new kill rig model comes out, we're going to really start to see those uh, being thrown forward. And then uh, it's a warp charge value of six and uh, roll a D6 for each enemy unit within nine of the Psyker. That's a really big area considering the, the base size of that model. On a four plus, that unit takes D3 mortal wounds. Nice. That's good, yeah. yeah. A lot of damage to output there. And then the other one I'd say is, is quite good, especially if you're looking at uh, all those all those cavalry as well, is the Spirit of Gork. Uh, so a warp charge value of six. If manifested, select one friendly, friendly squig unit within 12 and visible to the Psyker until the start of your next Psychic phase. Each time that unit fights, it can make one additional tap uh, attack with uh, each big chomper jaw. The jaws. Jaw. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all the jaws, basically, yeah. um, without going through them. Uh, and then also, uh, on an unmodified wound roll of a six, that attack also inflicts one mortal wound. I mean, that's incredible, especially when you stack that with that warlord trait you talked about, yeah. Jack. Mm. Yeah, I like it. Okay, cool. Nice. Brilliant. So jumping into the relics now, Jack, any that really um, catch your eye? Yeah, I think there's, um, it's a small list, but I think it's quite a mighty list as well. So I think there's some good ones here. So let's start with an old favourite, the Killer Claw. Um, so it's it's um, so it replaces a Power Claw, times two strength, minus floor, flat three damage. So, um, and with that, you're not taking the minus one to hit. Um, but unfortunately, it has lost the reroll wound rolls. Um, but still, the AP it's gone up in AP, and that flat damage three is very nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, very good. Very, very good with that AP minus four. All right, Aaron, what about you? Sure. So one of my one of my favourites actually that's come out of this, and and I am uh, I'm pairing this with the Arda's Nails Warlord trait that we saw recently. Um, is the Beast Hide Mantle. So you attack uh, Beast Snagger model only, uh, but you're adding one to the bearer's attacks characteristic, and also it's giving them a five up feel no pain. Uh, so when you think about uh, if, like maybe units that were pairing this up on the, the Beast Boss on Squiggasaur, giving him uh, five up feel no pain, you're giving him minus one to wound, uh, he's got that minus one damage on him, a really, really survivable, tough uh, character that can pump out a lot of damage. Yeah, nice. Sounds good. I mean, they're literally, yeah, this book is full of flavour, isn't it? It really is. Um, any more, Jack? Yeah, I think um, Head Whopper's Kill Chopper. It's got, it's uh, again, come across from the old book. It's giving, giving a little bit of a boost at times two strength now. Additionally, it's now AP three and flat two damage and then a wound roll of six is one more wound in addition. So again, you can just spread these these attack, these these good relics on those on those punchy characters just to give them a bit more punch. Yeah, nice. Uh, one question I had for you, um, the Warlord traits, if I've got like a Beast Snagger model, can I still take a normal Orc Warlord trait or does that, can I only take a Beast Snagger Warlord trait? Yeah, so if a Beast Snagger character model is your Warlord, you you can instead use the Beast Snagger Warlord traits table. Nice. So I nice. think, yeah, that- so I think that the first, the first standard tree is open to all. That's good because you can combine that Ardis Nails minus one to wound them with a relic, which I've just spotted, which is a five plus feel no pain and some extra attacks, I believe. So, um, yeah, it's looking pretty good. 
there's loads of like really good ways to make some pretty tanky um oh yeah you can make some incredible characters yeah absolutely okay cool so look I think we've covered absolutely everything from all those different elements. Um, and I'm conscious of time because also we've obviously got that interview coming up with Rich Kilton as well, where we cover his list, but we've got to cover a couple of data sheets. So Jack, any standout data sheets that you think they're going straight in your basket and why? Um, I really like in the Squeak Hog Boys. Okay. Which is the new cavalry unit, uh, the Beast Langer cavalry unit. I think for their points and their and their data sheets, so they're they're three wounds each, uh, a toughness six. Uh, I believe with a four up armor save, um, but certainly have a six up in them from being a beast snagger. Um, yeah, they move ten, so they're pretty quick. Um, especially when you're looking at I'm looking at the war as, as build my army around the war to get that advance and charge in there, any additional attack. Um, and they've got some. I think it's five attacks a model between the um, between the rider and the squig as well. So lots of attacks coming out of that pretty tough unit. Um, so I, I think um, that's one of my favourites at the moment. Yeah, they look really good as well. Really awesome models. Nice. What about uh, you, Aaron? Any from you? Yeah. So the uh, for me, one that really stands out, and I think it stood out for everyone, is it got to be the rocker truck squig buggy. Um, this previously uh, was not up to much, but it is now incredible. It has a 36-inch range heavy squig launcher, uh, which is Assault 2d6. It's strength 5, minus 2, 2 flat damage. But the big thing is that you can target units that are not visible to the bearer. And it's blast. It's blast. And also, it gets plus 1 to hit on that gun. Huge. Wow, that is nuts isn't it that is absolutely yeah. crazy um any others from you then jack yeah it, well I, I will mention the beast boss on squigger score squigger score and the beast and the knob on on the uh, squig as well all all incredible quick you know much much like the squig squig boy riders they're big they're fast they're tough they hit hard um i think they're absolute absolute winner the, the combination of all all those snake bite cavalry I like the death copters are looking interesting as well, especially in that evil sun's attachment to fire and fade because the rockets are 2d3 per model. Yeah. Um, so I think you can get a lot of shots from that unit and they've got a decent combat profile as well. So I think they've got some good, good play. Yeah. They sound like a really good utility unit there, which is great. Um, okay. Aaron, what about you? Any others you want to touch on? Yeah. So the, uh, the, the kill rig is, the, the amount of rules that this 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 thing has got is unbelievable. I, I, where, where would you where do you even start? Um, it's essentially, I think, from a cool factor, it's it's just a massive rig that's being pulled by a, a huge huge uh, squig monster. It looks so cool. Um, I mean, but- this thing's got so many rules. We might have to make the entire next season of um, uh, episodes just about this thing because yeah, it is substantial. Yeah, this is it one is of the new models, isn't it? Efficient, yeah. Um, I think one of the one of the cool coolest rules uh, on it actually that's quite cool is that the sticker cat uh, sticker cannon. Each time the bearer makes an attack with this weapon, if that targets a monster or vehicle, you can uh, re-roll the hit roll. But I believe there was there a stratagem that you can um, you can't fall back from it. I mean, that's pretty powerful. Oh. If there is, wow. 
Oh, so it's on the the so the ability snagged. Uh, each time this uh, this model makes an attack with its sticker cannon, if an enemy non-Titanic vehicle or monster model loses any wounds as a result of that attack on a four uh, roll one d six on a four plus, that enemy model cannot finish any type of move more than twelve inches away from this model until the start of your next turn. So it's stuck. That's pretty good. That's very good actually. Yeah, that could be very powerful in certain situations. Well, guys, I just want to say a massive thanks. I feel like I've learned a lot about orcs today. Um, I think for me, Jack, you're right. I'm going to be probably going evil sons or goths. Um, get me on some combat. I know m- none of you have talked about Gazgul, but I'm going to try him, see if I can make him work. Um, but I think some of these squig boys also sound awesome. So, Jack, massive thank you for you, mate, for coming on the show. All right, glad to be back. No, we'll have to get you back on soon. Aaron, thank you. And also thank you for coming on the stream on Tuesday night. No is at all. No is at all. And remember, if you want to catch any of our live stream battle reports where we blend the education and entertainment of what we like to do is play the game in the right way when it comes to competitive 40k, you can check that out over on Vanguard Tactics YouTube channel. But again, thanks so much to all of our sponsors and we'll see you next week. But first, we should probably go over to the interview with Rich. So we'll do that now and then we'll see you next week. Take care. Mr. Rich Kilton, how you doing, mate? I'm doing fabulous, Stephen. I am so happy to have you back on the show. I'm happy to be here. I mean, when did we do our last show? Was it literally about 18 months ago? It's got to be, yeah. It's got to be about 18 months ago. Um, right after, that, right before SoCal, or was it right after? So I can't even remember. It was too long ago. That's when it was. <laughs> so, Rich, obviously, for those who don't know who you are, um, and maybe didn't listen to our other episode where we covered the Orcs. Um, a new Ninth Codex has just dropped, hasn't it? Officially. It, it has. It has. And um, I thought, you know, you being the biggest, baddest Orc war boss there is, I've got to get him on. I've got to get the Rich Kilton on. So um, anyway, so... Some would, call, some would call me the oldest war boss. Nah. <laughs> No, surely not. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I embrace it. I'm the old war boss. You're the oldest, yeah. Yeah. But wisest. when I go to a tournament, I want to be the best score for any grandfather at the event. <laughs> I can imagine you and Lou Rollings trying to go for <laughs> top granddad. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Who got best granddad today? Yeah. That's right. Okay. Love it. Um, okay. So anyway, for those who don't know, Rich... Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think currently at the moment, you're the ITC number one Orc player. Is that right? I am. And were you the number one Orc player last year? For the I ITC? was. And the year before that? I think that's the year that I got passed. I was in the top three, but I, I wasn't top, but I was a couple years before. So I've been three or four times. I've been, I can't remember exactly, but three or four times I've been top Orc. Too many times. It's been, it's been great. Yeah. I mean, you are just ridiculous with that army. Um, And if you are listening and you're new to the show and you didn't hear myself and Rich talk about the Orcs last time, go back and find that episode because me and Rich talk about a game that we had played when I came over to play at the SoCal Open. We played in an RTT, didn't we, before? We, we, yes, we did. And we paired in the final. We did. And... um, Let's just say, well, I don't want to spoil it because that story <laughs> is hilarious. Um, and that I think video, that video is still on your site, I believe. I mean, I th- you I can probably a, find that video. 
Oh yeah, I think it's on YouTube. I'll put a link oh, to it. Oh, that in wasn't the, the RTT. Show notes. We played we played twice. So Stephen might not he might be blocking this out, but we played once in a stream game that we did as a as a uh, just to to show off his army and and my army as we prepped for SoCal. Yeah, and I, I that. beat him I beat him in that game and then so I played him the next day at the RTT and then we matched up in the final and um, Steven actually was generous and got me some new dice because he was just hoping that the luck wouldn't be there, but they rolled just as hot and I beat him again. So, <laughs> well, well, the spoilers now, Rich, you know, but oh, sorry, you, it's but, so fun to watch the stream. It's great. I mean, the exhibition game is one thing. Um, oh, that is the one that I've had to blank out of my mind, but <laughs> it's the RTT final mate that, I mean, that's a story. And I think that's kind of why we became such good friends really, wasn't it? So, yes, uh, absolutely. Me, I can remember saying, I was like, Rich, when does playing on God mode get boring? <laughs> Thomas asked that all the time. Yeah. I was just like, what's going on? And you were like, no, it's just normal. I'm like, right. Okay. <laughs> it, anyway, but we had a blast, didn't we? And, um, yes, we did. So go back, watch that video with me and Rich, because it's just hilarious anyway. Um, and if you want a good laugh, then that's exactly the show you want to be listening to. But anyway, we're not, right. going to talk, we're not going to talk about that today, okay? Good, good. We've, re- we've reminisced enough about how you absolutely obliter- obliterated me, okay? Um, so it's time to talk about the New York Codex. Y- yes, sir. Now, you've been, you know, you've said multiple times, you're, you're the oldest, biggest, baddest orc war boss there is. And um, I want to get you, what's your first impressions of this new Codex? I'm very happy. I uh, I was hoping for a codex that would be competitive, but would not be kind of have some of the issues that some of the what some people consider broken codexes have had. And I feel that they achieved that. I think there's huge variety in army builds and styles and unit choice. I think the internal balance of the codex, where you could choose lots of different units and they can be effective, is fabulous. I think they really helped characters feel more orky and less squishy than they used to be. And uh, so they they made a lot of change in how the army plays, but I'm very happy with the change that they made. Yeah. And the book before was kind of, I remember your list, you had like a big horde of about 90 boys. Mm -hmm. And then I think you had about, you know, a big squad of looters and then like three of the shock attack guns. You had like a good, good bit of shooting and then combat. So, it, it, it always felt weird with, an, with the Orc book before that they were so good at shooting. And I was thinking, hang on a minute, maybe Orcs shouldn't be this good at shooting. Um, how do you feel like the balance is in terms of the book compared to like the shooting versus combat? Which one would you say now the Orcs really specialize in? So that's where it's very interesting the way that, that players are going with the Orc Codex. There are definitely some builds that shooting is spectacular. I mean, it's kind of crazy level, um, some of the shooting power that you can generate from, especially some of these buggy lists and and freebooter style lists. Um, So it's still very powerful, but you kind of have to go all in. If you're you're focusing um, for shooting, then you really have to go all in and it, uh, it makes some of your board control aspects and your combat aspects it, it diminishes that and your your movement abilities it it diminishes that because those bases on some of those buggies are gigantic yeah 
Yeah, they absolutely are, aren't they? So what you what I'm hearing from you there is if you really build for the shooting, it can still be prevalent. Um, okay, that's that's interesting to know. So was was there anything that you were disappointed about in the book or thought, do you know what? Is anything you've missed from the previous book? And then maybe actually, how do you now feel about that after having it for some time? So for a long time, I've, I've felt like the regular knobs, not mega knobs, but regular knobs have not been very viable. And I still feel like they're very weak compared to, I wish they'd given knobs, uh, just some kind of rule that, that made them a little just give them or maybe give them the treatment like Vanguard. I think it's Vanguard veterans get where they get cheaper power weapons. They got one weapon that's cheaper, but if they'd given them all their special weapon choices a little cheaper, I would have been really happy. But there's not much that I have to complain about. Most of the changes I really enjoy, I really like. Um, but I, I've always liked a big unit of knobs to, to run around the table because it's very thematic and fluffy and kind of that's lore wise. That's orcs would do that. But, uh, uh, that's the one complaint I guess I would have is that knobs still aren't very good. Okay, nice. That's good to know. Um, so let's go over like, how, is your mindset had to change with this new book compared to the last and, and how so? So for me, the way I, the style of play that I play, um, it has changed, but not immensely. I still like to play board control. Now, since I played you, it's changed a lot because I think we played, was it the end of 7th? It might have been the end of 7th when we played. So, I can't even remember. Maybe it was, maybe oh no, it was the end of 8th. That's what it was. So, the, the whole style of play has become different because at that time, board con- controlling the objectives wasn't as big a deal as it is now because we played with the ITC rules and now with the GW rules being so great and we able to play with their, their mission pack and things like that, it makes controlling those objectives immensely important. And so I, how I built my list in, in ninth edition before the codex dropped was very board control, very um, focused on taking your primary points away. And I have, stayed with that in my mindset. I've changed how I do it, but I still am focused on winning the primary. Um, And I think they did a great job on balancing. So the orcs have some great things, but they didn't give them a super powerful secondary like some of the lists have. And um, some of their stratagems and the costs are mm, some would, and you guys are going to talk about this in your other thing. Some of them are not great, but uh some of the power that they have is really, really great. And especially in their data sheets, the orc data sheets are very good and competitively pointed. So do you think there's been more of an emphasis on the data sheet improvement rather than necessarily the stratagem effectiveness? I, I do. And I, I think that the orcs play very much to, um, you can actually build lists that have fewer CP. Like you were desperate for CP in the last orc codex, but now not so much because you you can take more warlord traits and and relics and there's a lot of power in those and so um you're spending a lot of cp in list building and not so reliant on super powerful stratagems yeah or combos which i think is good for the game anyway right is um i think that's definitely a positive move in the right direction it's less complicated a little bit simpler to remember and there's a lot less sometimes like power stacks that you can get with crazy combos of stratagems so i think that's good i think that's healthy it, it also keeps keeps you away from those feel bad moments when your opponent goes you can do what and 
and and just like they just shake their head because it's just silly that something can do some of the things they can do. And I don't think you have much of that in the Orc Codex, which I like. I, I don't I want my opponent to have a good time. This is a game that I enjoy. And if I'm gonna spend three hours with somebody, I want them to have fun just like I am. I wanna beat them, but I wanna have fun and them to have fun and want to play me again. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Like rather, I think last time it was like, oh, uh, last time we had played, it was double shoot looters, double shoot looters, double shoot looters, or double shoot mecha, um, you know, and it was, you want variety in stratagems to just give you a little bit of amplification, but not be the be all or end all of your army. So I think that's super good. Um, okay, nice. I, I like it. So you, you're focusing on the board control, you're focusing on winning the primary. We're going to touch on the secondaries a bit later, so we'll come back to that. But it sounds like your kind of ethos is exactly the same as mine. And all the advice I give is focus on scoring your own primary, focus on the secondaries and develop a game plan around that, no matter who or what you play. Okay, so we're going to gui- dive into some of your choices, okay, in this book. So what's your favorite What's your favorite orc clan and why? So this is interesting. A lot of people, when they see it, they will go, oh, this is the clan that got like nerfed or whatever, but I love Evil Sons. And it's not necessarily for the clan trait. It's the combination of clan trait along with their relic and stratagem they did something with the orcs that's brilliant in that they they limit your ability to choose the relic and the stratagem to who your warlord is and i think that allows them to have powerful um things in those slots but you can't just go in and pick all the powerful ones because it has to be your warlord so you have to make some good hard choices and i love that Um, but the evil sons the ability they have to advance and charge a unit every turn and the ability they have to make everybody within engagement range go last that combination i love it and uh it's it kind of key to how i play my list yeah, that I can see that with your style of army and how it wants to play. You always want to, you know, those elite combat armies or not elite necessary, but the combat specialists really want the tools to amplify combat and a fight last advancing charge is super powerful. So I can definitely see why you're on the evil sun's train and why you like that. Okay, nice. Okay, so what are then your top three units and why? Um, so some of the, the new units that they've put out and I'm one of the things is so since I've been playing for 30 years, I have a lot of models and conversions and things that I've had for different editions and I've kept everything always. That's kind of my, I'm a hoarder, I guess. But, uh, so some of the units that I had sitting in, on my shelf with dust on them, I was able to pull out and the, some of the conversions I did for old biker bosses now instantly became, the Beast Boss on Squigasaur, which is, I think it is so fabulous. Uh, you're going to see that a lot. Um, I'm excited for when Games Workshop's model comes out, and I, I'm going to definitely get at least one. And uh, so I will have even more bosses on Squigasaur, even though you can only run a certain number. I just love the model. Um, and then my model is a conversion from a Stone Horn, I think it is, or Stone Tusk. It's a Age of Sigmar Ogre model. And uh, and then the other one's the Lizardman Carnosaur conversion. And I just love the models. And uh, so I, being able to pull them out and put them on an 80 millimeter base and say, here we come. And then pulling out my old biker knob conversions that are on the... Um, the Gore Grunta Boar Boys and being able to run those as uh, knobs on Smash a Squig, which I think is my other top three 
unit um, that I love. And so being able to pull out all my old snake bite models and run them as some of the new uh, snaga models is, is so fabulous. And I would say for my third new unit, I would probably say commandos and not just in power and on gameplay, but that new kill team box with the commandos is spectacular and well done on the, the, the artists who made those models, they're gorgeous. And I'm painting my first set of 10 and they play fabulous in the game. And so those three units, the commandos, the knobs on smash of squigs and the beast boss on squigasaur. Okay. So I want to talk about that a bit more. So the beast bog on squigasaur, what does he do for you in your army? Like what, what's his role for you? So he is not a damage dealer. Like you kind of had to, used to rely on your, your war bosses to go in and kill something and die. The war boss on the beast boss on Squigasaur is more of a, I'm coming in here and it's going to take a lot for you to kill me. So he is really he doesn't he does buff um, units within six to give them a plus one to hit to certain units, um, but he's really there to make everything that he touches go last because orcs are still pretty squishy. So um, if you if they get to interrupt and with a nasty unit and hit something um they're really going to do a lot of damage so you need to keep them going last so you can hit them with multiple units before they get to go so that's his role is he's going to come in and make your nasty unit go last so that you can fight somewhere else first and then come back and roll however many units have to hit their big bad and then the boss says they're going last anyway um so that's kind of his role he's super tough i give him hard as nails so that he's even tougher so a model with that kind of profile, I mean, he's almost like a mini Mortarian um, in in toughness. And you can make an orc war boss now that is incredibly durable. But I think they balanced it by they're not nearly as 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 killy as they used to be. They're still they're still really good, but um, their d- weapon generally is damage two, and they only are AP two, and so they I think they balanced it well. But that's his role, is to stop the enemy from from killing me. Yeah, they're not like the rocket that they used to be, like the one-pump missile that would go in, fight twice, and pick up a knight, are they? They're a bit more of a... They'll do something, but they're not like ridiculous in terms of that. But the, the, now they actually will stay alive on the table a little bit longer than one turn when they're out in the open, which is good. That's right. Okay, nice. Um, okay, so then talk to me about that next unit. Um, you mentioned the commandos. Um, and just quickly before we touch on those, have you tried new kill team yet? I, I, my son is, is, is kind of in charge of that. Cause my old brain, knowing all the rules for all these games over the years, whenever I get a new rule set, it's like, is that from second edition or so my son is teaching me. So he's just going through and getting ready. So we just put that on the table this week and he and my nephew played and looked fabulous and i can't wait to play with him give it a try it is incredible game that's what i hear i mean i love it and i never thought i'd say that about kill team but i absolutely love it um and we've started doing some live streams on kill team which have been awesome so anyway i'll have to i'll have to watch some of those i'll send you a link after this um that'd be great okay so uh, what do the commandos do for you on the table then what's their role how do you use them so there's uh, the the big so I'm right now in my list I'm running a unit of 10 and two units of 5 and so they're great for blocking out other armies who want to forward deploy 
They're also great for threatening objectives early game. Um, they're great for and and with the rules for for how they use cover, they get a plus three, so they have a three plus save. So they're not easy to shoot if you put them in in terrain, and they're they're very punchy. So if they have a small unit on an objective, they can go and take it away from them. Um, they have a lot of versatility. They can move block. If you're facing a list that has a bunch of big bases like uh, knights or something, you can use them effectively to block their movement or to bo- block a freebooter orc list with a bunch of buggies so that they can't get where they want to go. Um, there's so many uses for a unit like like the commandos, and I'm I'm really enjoying. I almost every list I make has three units. Nice. You've got a bit of utility in there, you know, move early, deny a banner, do a rod for you, whatever it might be, deploy a scrambler, That's do some right. actions, move block, love it. And I, I love that sort of tech unit. Okay, nice. So then um, you mentioned the other guys on the squig, not maybe the knob on smash a squig. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, there's too many squigs going on, mate, for me. <laughs> um, so how do you use those on the table? What What's their role for you? So again, their, their basic combat ability is decent. It's not like, it's not spectacular because they only hit with a strength seven minus one, um, two damage. So it's not like crazy and they have like five attacks, but on the charge they do, they roll five dice and on a four plus you take mortal wounds. So that, um, when you roll hot, like I often do, um, (laughs) I don't believe it, Rich. You can uh, you can get a lot done, and they also do things like if somebody tries to tie up like my boss with a, a unit so that I can't go where I want, I can charge in with those and do the mortals on on a unit and maybe clear the boss so that he can charge somewhere else. Um, so so there's lots of little tricks you can pull with units like that, and with some of the durability of of the units in the game now, having the ability to just throw mortals on something, and with a speed of the knobs on smash a squig. Um, it's really effective, especially if you take multiples. If you take two, I've even run lists with three. So I'm going in and I'm rolling 15 dice on something and four pluses are mortals. So you're doing eight plus mortal wounds on a unit that you charge. I mean, that should be 15 out of 15 for you, mate. <laughs> Sometimes. It says, I think in the codex, to a maximum of six just for rich kilton in brackets <laughs> you wrote that in in pen i know it Stephen. <laughs> anyway um so <laughs> i'll be like yeah rich my codex says it um <laughs> next time we play mate anyway okay so let's go into your army list a little bit more um if you don't mind anyway sharing yeah. maybe like your the most recent army list and if it's okay if you send it over i'll pop on the blog post i sure will i'll send it over um so i played last night against Thomas on, uh, and it's, you can watch it on Twitch. It's on, uh, barely battle ready. It's a, a gr- guy on our team that's starting up his own little page and he's, he's a great, great guy. And, uh, so yeah, you can watch our game. He, he actually, well, I'm not going to give away the ending like I did earlier. So, um, it's, it's a great game against a great opponent. Thomas was a judge at LVO for a time. And me so, and Thomas played before. Yeah. Great, we, great guy. We played at the RTT before I played you. Yeah. Yeah, and well done beating him because he's he's tough tough not to crack that guy. He's a squigger, so I need to get through. Yes, yes. 
So yeah, I run I run uh, the Evil Sons Battalion, and uh, I have a couple knobs on Smash a Squig, the Beast Boss, and I run a Pain Boss. Then I run a couple of units of Beast Snagger Boys on foot, and a unit of Trucker Boys, um, two units of Commandos, one ten and one five, uh, three Death Copters, uh, Rucka Truck Squig Buggy, and the uh, unit of five Squig Hog Boys, and a truck, and then. The other detachment is a Death Skulls Patrol, and that one has a Big Mac with a custom force field, a war boss, a unit of another unit of trucker boys, and um, a unit of burner boys, a unit of commandos, and a another Rucka Truck Squig Boy Strig Squig Buggy, and a unit of five Storm Boys. I love it. You got like a little bit of everything in there sprinkled. Yeah. In. Yeah. It's like a meat feast pizza, isn't it? You got just a bit of all the meats. Yes, love it. I, I, um, the, we've got a bit of a problem though with that rich and listening you talk about orcs is actually making me want to start an army. <laughs> That's the danger, Stephen. Oh, I don't know why I interviewed you. I was like, this is a bad <laughs> idea. Um, okay, I'm liking it. So talk to me a little bit about some of those, uh, you know, unique picks there. So I'm going to pick out a few and I want you to justify why you've got them in your list for the people. Um, Because I think all great players know why. In this, I put a video out and I said, one of the biggest mistakes people make is they just ask for the list. And really what they should be asking is why do you take that? Because the why is the most important thing. Anyone can copy a net list, but it's understanding the methodology behind the rationale and the reason why those units were picked is the real thing you need to ask. So why the death copters? So you don't have a lot of anti-tank in my list. And so they're one of my they're one of my units that is anti-tank. And in Evil Suns, they have a stratagem where you can fire and fade. Basically, you can move, shoot, and then move again. So they're, they're able to stay out of line of sight. They dish out some pretty good anti-tank fire. And they're also very effective in combat if you need to charge with great speed. So if somebody's sitting on an objective thinking, well, he can't get to me, you could just decide, well, I'm going to sacrifice my copters and just go over and take that objective away from him with my, um, with my 27 attacks um, this turn. And then he didn't think I was going to do that to take away his. And so he gets a zero on primary that turn. And then he's going, Oh, I didn't think that was going to happen. It's just because of the speed those things have and the ability to move, shoot, move in the evil suns makes them especially effective, but they're, they're pretty good firing platform, no matter what list you're running. But I especially like them in evil suns because then most of your shooting for this list stays out of line of sight. I like it. Okay. And then you said you got a little unit of storm boys. How do you use those? So they're in the death skull. So those storm boys are obsec. So there's so many uses for an obsec unit with that kind of speed. I often start them in deep strike and they'll come in. If somebody has a little five man unit of sisters or a unit of pox walkers or something sitting on an objective, they'll drop in. I'll try for the nine inch charge. If I make it great, then I can often Like against Thomas, I was able to jump, jump in, make the nine inch charge and, uh, and knock him down so that I took that objective away from him. So they're really an objective stealer type unit. They can do rod. They'll often do rod. If I pick that secondary, um, uh, they're great for engage on all fronts. They're very versatile. You can start them on table. And I've even run lists where I had 20 storm boys and, uh, and they're, they're an effective unit. Um, you can, one of the, 
the the tricks I've used is the faster than use um, stratagem allows you to um, to pick a unit in the command phase and they can advance and charge without calling your wa. And so I'll put that on a unit of storm boys. That unit's going twenty inches and charging turn one. So it's it's very effective. But this little five man unit's just to take objectives. I can imagine Thomas's face when you come in and go, Thomas, I'm just going to roll a nine. Oh, there we go. <laughs> and I can imagine just him like, Rich, why did you even roll? You should just move them in nine. That's that's pretty much. I failed the first one, so it felt good for him because I failed one before I rolled the nine. No, Rich, you were getting his hopes up. <laughs> that's what you did. That's like, it's even worse. <laughs> it's the, on, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm only joking. Um, Rich, I love you. And you know that. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, so um, no, I'm, I'm liking that. I, I really do. And obviously, you know, the, the rucker trucks with their shooting directly, a fan, you know, it just, you just look at that and you go, wow, what a unit um, for their ability, which is fantastic. So is there any anything that in your list there you would just like to pinpoint and go, not many people are talking about this. In fact, maybe the burner boys, I haven't heard much use of those so what do they do for you on the table so the burner boys i give them zap crumpas um and what that does is that allows you when you roll to attack in combat you any sixes to wound are mortal are mortal wounds on top of the regular so you can use a stratagem to make them ap2 and on the turn you call the wall they have three attacks each so just a unit of 10 has 30 attacks um, if you're near the war boss, you can hit on twos. And then when you roll a wound, any wound rolls of a six are mortal wounds. So it gives you more mortal wound output. It also gives you a higher AP than your regular choppas. So that's one of the things I've found is I'm, I'm kind of looking for ways to put more AP into my list. And maybe that's because of the armies I've been playtesting against are often um, getting those two plus, one plus saves. And I'm going, ugh, I've got to dig these guys out. And mortal wounds and higher AP help in doing that. I love it. Okay. And then what sort of secondary objectives are you picking with this army? And what ones do you think it scores well with? Because of my aggressive play on primary objectives, um, Stranglehold is kind of a natural for this list. Um, it's It's... It's not an auto take, but I often take that. And then engage on all front because of the speed and the free deploy forward is often good. So is uh, retrieve Octarius data or rod. Um, those are three very good stratagems. I take the stomp them good, which is the new orc one, but it, you kind of have to use that sparingly and you have to know that it's a list that you can, you're going to beat in combat pretty regularly. So you have to be careful choosing that one. So it's still, that's one thing I like about this codex is there's no auto take orc secondary. So you still have to figure out that third secondary is often hard for the orcs and it still is, um, which, which is a good, it's a good balancing thing. You don't want everybody to have just an auto take um, oath of moment type stratagem. Um, yeah. I think it's great for the Marines, but I don't think everybody needs a, a secondary like that. Yeah, I think hard choices have to be made. Yes. And also, not just I pick these three and that's it. It needs to be on this mission, I take that with this terrain layout. It makes me make my decision harder. Or it makes it easier against its opponent. It adjusts it here. It adjusts it there. 
that is when that actually increases the skill level of the game by making these things harder to choose. And that's actually what we want. We want the game to be easy to play, but the skill level needs to be hard so that therefore it gives, you know, big old old walk bosses like yourself just even more decisions to make yep. uh, so you can keep evolving as a player because we're all students of the game, aren't we? That's right. And that will never change, which is one thing I absolutely love about it. So I really like that. Okay, so what are some of your um, like favourite sort of stratagems of book? Is there any like any others you want to quickly just pick out that you haven't mentioned earlier that you use with this list? I, I'm going to mention one, and it's the whole reason that I have the the Beast Snagger Boys in there is the stratagem that um, it's called Snag a Grapple or Snag em or something like that. Um, and it's with a unit of Beast Snagger Boys, you you use that. And the enemy can only fall back if you, like, if you roll a four plus, they can't fall back. Anybody that's in engagement range. And I've used this stratagem probably six, seven times. And every time I had the wording wrong and I thought my opponent got to roll. And so they've always escaped. So I've never actually captured anybody. But then I reread it or I actually had somebody read it to me correctly and it's I get to roll the four plus so now I know I'm never going to fail that so I'll just snag everybody <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the, the thing is I think that strategies like that where you can keep people in combat that can win you games and uh, I've used it a lot and it hasn't been effective but if it had been it probably would have been a big deciding factor in the game so the ability to hold people in combat is really effect is really good yeah I can imagine it is for you yeah, mate, I love that. And thanks for um, just these little tech choices. I love it. I, I, I think this is what I love talking about with experienced players like you. Like, I've got this reason and this is why how I use it in this scenario and it helps me on the primary or the secondary or whatever it might be. So um, when you start combining a fight last with a, um, uh, you know, these things to hold things in combat, it's just so powerful. Um, it is. It's amazing. So I, I'm loving this. Okay, so... I mean, I said I wanted you for half an hour and we're pretty much at that time already. So I'm going to have to skip over the next little segment that I was going to talk about. But I think you've already covered some of the strengths and weaknesses of the army anyway. Mm-hmm. But quick fire round for you, just to finish off. Yeah. The first thing that comes into your head, you've got to answer with, all right? You ready? Yes. Gazgul or Beast Boss on Squiggasaur? Beast Boss on Squiggasaur. Boys or Beast Snaggers? Truck boys. You can't do that, really, <laughs> boys. <laughs> <laughs> They're boys. They're boys. <laughs> okay. oh, I knew it'd be trouble. Right. <laughs> so, tank busters or looters? Uh, looters. Mega knobs or war bikes? Oh, man, that one's tough. Uh, war bikes. Ooh. Rocket truck or scrapjet? Rocket truck. Battle wagon or bone breaker? Battle wagon. Kill rig or hunter rig? Whichever one's the psyker. The Morkanaut or Gorkanaut? Gorkanaut. Nice. That's it. Just the eight. <laughs> Can't believe you tried to sneak in a truck boy. <laughs> He's still a boy. Yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> well, honestly, Rich, um, it's been a pleasure to having you back on the show. Oh, Stephen, it's been a joy. Anytime you, you guys, it's great to, to see you thriving and I listen when I can. 
it's often during the day when I'm at work. So I'll just put it on while I'm working and just kind of hear in the background. And I'll throw out a comment every once in a while because I just love listening to you guys play. When we're on the stream on a Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's Honestly, it's great. Um, and knowing you're there watching, it's just, it actually makes the stream a lot more enjoyable knowing I've got obviously friends watching and stuff. Um, and I know they'll probably be laughing at me at home when I'm rolling my ones and uh, getting excited <laughs> about when I roll a six on the rare occasion. Um, but um, honestly, mate, it is a real pleasure to have you on the show. And I, and I honestly can't wait for us the next time to play. I really can't. Stephen, I'm excited. I'm hoping that things will, will clear up for the world so that we can get together and all of us who miss each other, that we'll be able to get together in tournaments and, and play together. It's something that is important. Yeah, if we can get, if I do come over to LVO, um, maybe I can come over to Utah first or something and uh, check out the gaming store again um, and see everybody because that would be, that would mean a lot to me. So um, I'd love to do that. I know Brian's not here, but if you need a place to stay, just hit me up. Oh, I will. Yes. We can do Kill Team 40K. It's going to be a blast. Yes, sir. Um, Rich, look, you take care, mate. And um, we'll thanks so much for coming on. And I'm going to have to get you back on again more often, I think. I would love it. All right. Well, we'll check in soon, mate. And you take care and we'll see you soon. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So thank you very much, Rich, for that uh, segment. And it's been awesome to have Rich on. So now we're going to head over to the next segment, which is now with Seed Studios as per usual. So we welcome James back and we've got some more questions for James to help everybody get their 10 battle ready points. So let's get battle ready with Seed Studio coming up next. Welcome back to the show, James. Now I've got another question for you today. Perfect. I'd love your thoughts on contrast paints and if they have a place for getting models to that sort of tabletop standard. And if so, how's the best way to use them? Uh, that's a really, really good question. Uh, and and the, the, I think there's a bit of stigma with contrast paints, to be honest. Um, I You can use them in the way they were designed, as in to just get the colours on very quickly onto miniatures. Um, and of course, as long as you fight that eternal struggle, which is the pooling of the paint on the surface of the miniature, you can create very, very well-painted models quite quickly and quite easily, um, uh, which allows you to get models on the tabletop to that sort of, you know, uh, battle-ready or tabletop standard, so to speak. Um, however, you one of my favourite things with contrast paints is you can use them as kind of like a Ribena. Uh, and what I mean by that is they're very, very strong, obviously, in pigmentation and hue. Uh, you can use them for glazing to add subtle tones onto miniatures. You can use them as boosters by mixing them into your colours. You can use the specifically the browns, the blacks, the, gr- the dark greens, and maybe some of these sort of sepia kind of colours, or even some of the flesh uh, kind of colours. You can use those as oils, streaks, grime, uh, all these kind of things for rust effects, for weathering, for all those kind of things. I think they've got very, very broad reach of scale and use and scope um, that I think... Uh, uh, when they first came out, people instinctively thought they were just like for, for Timmy down your local shop to slap them all over models. And yeah, you can do that uh, and you can get models painted really, really quickly using it, you know, um, whether you whether you manage the, the, the pooling or not. Um, but I think that they're, they're, they're a really, really good tool for any painter that can that can get them, you know, your models done to a very quick standard uh, or, or you can use them subtly and incrementally for very high end painting as well. So they've got broad reach and scope of use. Amazing. I mean, I've actually found them really useful over metallics as well to just tint the, the metal. Um, can be quite a good way of using them as well. Yeah, they work perfectly for that. Like, um, you know, in, in, in other questions that have been asked, for example, like uh, they can be used um, on Grey Knights, for example, to tint that blue onto the armor, for example, uh, that some people like, obviously, on Grey Knights and things. Um, but yeah, like on swords, you can put red hues, green hues, blue hues, whatever. They're, they're really, really good. They're, they've got so much scope and, 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 and use within them, I think. 
James, that's excellent. Yeah, and I have never really thought about adding them to boost my other colours um, or even using them for, like you said, kind of some of that grime aspects or using them as a bit of a pin wash. So no, I'm definitely going to play around with that. Well, James, thanks so much for that great one. I'm going to have a start messing around with the contrast paints and seeing what I can do. Yeah, do it. And we'll see you next week, James. See you next week. See you next week. So once again, thanks so much for all of our guests today. I apologise if it's a slightly longer show than usual. However, you know, there's lots of content to cover and I think we really kind of had a great episode today uh, and I hope you enjoy all these different segments. Now, if you would like to get more involved with the podcast, get your questions answered and discuss some of these topics with us, then head over to our Discord. And in order to get your Discord access, all you need to do is go over to our YouTube channel, www.youtube, and then obviously look for Vanguard Tactics if you don't already follow us and then subscribe to become a member. You can enter on any of the levels and you then get our Discord access. It's one way just to support the podcast and also the YouTube streams that we do um, and it means we can interact with you after the show's been released. You can obviously answer any questions that you have on the topics uh, and I'll make sure that the guests that we have on are also available to answer some of your questions um, or I can put the questions to them and then obviously for following weeks you can get your questions answered is that'll be a new segment to the show. So once again, thanks so much for watching the Competitive 40K podcast. If you do enjoy it, we would love a review on iTunes or Spotify, uh, whatever it might be. We really, really appreciate all the reviews, shares and support that you give us. And I'll make sure if you tag us on Instagram with you listening, I'll get retweeting and retagging and resharing on everything that you send our way. So thank you so much. And we'll see you next week on the Competitive 40K podcast. Take care.